and welcome to Population Health Plug-In, a show highlighting current public health topics in our community and things of interest to students across the university. My name is Mina Napavi, and I'm a program manager in the Office of Public Health Practice at the UAB School of Public Health. Today, we are joined by Dr. Suzanne Judd, a nutritional epidemiologist and professor in UAB's School of Public Health's Department of Biostatistics. She is the director of the Lister Hill Center for Health Policy and multiple PI for the Reasons for Geographic and Racial Differences in Stroke, or REGARDS, and the Rural Heart and Lung Study. So February is American Heart Month, and we wanted to invite Dr. Judd to the studio to talk about heart health and things that we can do to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Dr. Judd has extensive research and experience in the field of cardiovascular health, so she was the right choice for this podcast. So thank you, Dr. Judd, for being here today and taking time out of your schedule to talk to me. Thank you for having me here today. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. So I guess just to preface this and to get us started, you know, February is American Heart Month, but we really should be paying attention to our health and our heart year round. Um, so what are some signs that something may be wrong with our heart? So for 90% of the population, you're talking about silent signs, things you might not feel. For example, high blood pressure. You can't feel high blood pressure for the most part, but you might have it underlying um, within your body. Another sign might be high cholesterol. Again, that's not something people are going to feel, but it's something that's important to get checked out. Now that said, there are also heart attacks that people are familiar with and things like shortness of breath, chest pain, pain down one side of the arm, dizziness, lightheadedness, those symptoms should all be taken very seriously and someone should seek care right away if they're having any symptoms um, that might be mimicking or might be a heart attack. So important to go to your um, physician yearly for checkups so you can monitor your blood pressure and cholesterol levels and those sorts of things. Absolutely, absolutely. Regular appointments with the physician are important to have blood sugar, cholesterol, yes. and blood pressure measured. So what are the most common risk factors that can lead to heart disease? The ones that we talk about are the ones we've mentioned, um, hypertension or high blood pressure, uh, high blood sugar, which leads to diabetes, and then high cholesterol. Those are the big ones people check. But for the most part, people don't walk around thinking, how can I lower my blood pressure? Right. Uh, people think about what they're eating. They think about whether or not they're moving their bodies. They think about, am I getting enough sleep at night? Uh, so I like to talk about those factors with people. And those are, those are three important factors, sleep, physical activity, and, and what you're eating. Excellent. And I know I have some questions further down, so we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Fantastic. So heart disease, of course, includes the heart attacks like you mentioned, but can also include stroke and other things as well. Can you briefly talk about other facets of heart disease beyond heart attacks? Absolutely, absolutely. In addition to heart attacks, there are strokes like you mentioned. And basically, we talk about anything that has to do with the blood vessels. So anytime the blood vessels become stiff or they become clogged, things can happen. Uh, one of the, the other diseases that is similar in the way that it works to heart disease are um, peripheral artery disease. So the arteries of your arms and legs can actually be clogged just like your heart arteries and that can lead to pain. It can actually lead to stoppage of blood flow, um, muscle weakness, um, and then those are important things to have taken care of. What's a common misconception about heart health? A common misconception about heart health is that only men should be worried about it. Women often think that they're not at risk for heart disease, especially younger women, um, that they, they think it's a disease that mainly impacts men, and that that's a huge misconception. Well, you've led into my next question, um, which is heart disease is actually the number one cause of death among women in the U.S. and in Alabama. 
Um, and women often have different symptoms than men do. Can you talk about what those differences are? So women tend to get heart disease much later in life than men do. Um, and their symptoms may not be as, um, as intense, but they may be lethal. So men do tend to have that classic chest pain, um, pain in their arm, where women might just be a little bit nauseous, a little bit dizzy, and so they may ignore that this, these are actually the symptoms of heart disease. Uh, so again, it's, it's important whether you're a man or a woman that if you're having these symptoms that you contact 911 right away if it's urgent or go see your primary care doc if you're thinking that um, you may need to get a physical. And a lot of people, you know, they don't want to overreact or they think that it's, oh, it's nothing, it'll pass soon. But mm -hmm. but really it's something that you, people should be paying attention to. They absolutely should be paying attention to it. So heart disease is the leading cause of death in Alabama. And um, as of 2015, I think it was reported that around 13,000 people in our state died from heart disease. Why do you think Alabama has such a high rate? So we have very high smoking rates, um, and we also have very high obesity rates. Another misconception in heart disease is that smoking doesn't contribute to it. Mm. People think of cigarettes and they think of lung disease, and they don't think about the fact that it also puts stress on the heart. Um, and we have very high rates of smoking in Alabama. Cigarettes are cheap. Uh, you look at the price of cigarettes in Alabama relative to New York or California or other parts of the world, and our cigarettes are about half the cost. So it's still a, a major problem in this state. Does vaping have anything to, has there been research around vaping and heart disease? Not as much as we'd like. There are new areas of research going on right now. Um, I would not say that vaping is safe uh, in any way, shape, or form. Right. I think stay tuned. <laughs> um, nicotine is a stimulant, and, that's, and stimulants impact the heart. And so it's very likely that just having nicotine alone could cause um, a greater risk of heart disease. So you've talked about the smoking, and um, Alabama also has high rates of diabetes and stroke. Um, how do those play a part in the high rates of heart disease? They absolutely. Diabetes and uh, not, not as much stroke, but diabetes definitely plays a role in uh, heart disease. Diabetes makes the arteries a little more stiff, which makes it um, more challenging as, as for the heart to pump the blood through the body. Um, stroke is a very different disease uh, in and of itself. It's, it's more of a, a downstream effect. So heart disease does tend to put you at greater risk of stroke, but not necessarily vice versa. Gotcha. Okay. Um, still, though, it's very important to, to be concerned um, about either one, depending on what the family history is. One of the things that you had mentioned about Alabama, we are a unique state in that the bulk of our state is rural. And the rural populations of Alabama actually suffer much higher rates of heart disease than, say, Birmingham or Montgomery or Mobile. Um, and again, the smoking rates are much higher in those rural communities. Uh, they have less access to primary care doctors. Many counties don't even have uh, enough physicians for the county. And people have to drive long distances to get the care they need um, to refill their medications, to um, control the, the conditions that they have. Right. So let's move on to diet, okay. a very popular topic. Um, so right, like you said, cholesterol is associated with heart disease. What foods should I eat to lower my cholesterol? Or are there certain foods that I should limit or avoid? Absolutely. Absolutely. The things we know about uh, heart disease, it's very important to maintain your weight. So the, the first step is don't gain weight. And the challenge with that is each person has a very unique uh, constitution. So some people can eat carbohydrates and not gain weight. Some people can eat fat and not gain weight. You have to, to know for yourself what helps you balance uh, your weight itself. So that'd be the first thing I'd tell people. The second thing I would say is watch out for the saturated fats. Um, the, they tend to be in animal products and dairy products. Uh, saturated fats uh, do put people at risk of having the wrong kind of cholesterol, 
uh, LDL cholesterol, which puts you at greater risk of heart disease. So you want to try to minimize the saturated fats, um, minimize salt, the amount of sodium in the diet, uh, which is not what you shake on your food from the salt shaker. It turns out the bulk of sodium in our diet comes from bread. It comes from cereal. It comes from things that are sitting on the shelf um, and that can be put on the shelf for many, many years to come. We use sodium to to keep it shelf stable. So it's important that people look at the label and look at sodium. Try to keep your sodium intake under about 2,500 milligrams a day, which is is tough to do. If you've never tried to do it, it's really tough. Yes, yes. Like you said, there's processed foods, but also eating out. Yes. I find when I go to a restaurant and eat out, the food just tastes extremely salty. Absolutely. Um, So pay attention to that. So you mentioned saturated fats. Mm -hmm. And there are healthy fats, though. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what are some examples of healthy fats? Because, like you said, people sometimes will watch their carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. cut their carbs, and have high-protein, high-fat diets. But it's not the saturated fats that we should be eating, right? Right, exactly. You want to avoid the saturated fats, but eat what we call unsaturated fats or polyunsaturated fats. Um, Sometimes I think we just confuse the public when we use all these big terms. (laughs) At the end of the day, things like olive oil, uh, avocado, those are both very high fat foods, but they've got a good kind of fat in them that actually helps your arteries to remain flexible. And that's what you want. You want flexible arteries, you want a flexible heart, Uh, That's what helps to keep the blood moving and and stop it from um, getting stuck, which leads to heart attacks. Gotcha. So stock up on those avocados. Stock up on those avocados. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, People talk about alcohol and heart health. Is alcohol good for the heart? That is such a loaded question. It's a (laughs) a tough question to answer. And the short answer is yes. Um, Alcohol does increase HDL. And HDL is the good kind of cholesterol. It's actually the cholesterol that will go in and eat the LDL out of your arteries to to keep your arteries nice and clean. Uh, The problem is that 10% of the population has a problem with alcohol. And once a person consumes too much alcohol, which is defined as more than one drink a day for women, more than two drinks a day for men, you actually start increasing your risk of heart disease. Um, So it's really important to, if you are going to drink alcohol, to drink a moderate amount of alcohol. And if you don't drink alcohol, there's no reason to start. Um, It's not, there are better ways to reduce your risk of heart disease than starting drinking alcohol. Like changing your diet. Like changing your diet. And exercising, which we're going to talk about right now. So what are the best exercises for your heart? Your heart really likes cardiovascular activity. So things that make you get out of breath, uh, things that raise your heart rate. Your heart is a muscle and that gives your heart a chance to work itself out and to pump and, um, and perform under more extreme conditions which helps it perform well under normal conditions. So it's, it's things like walking. It's things like um, doing aerobics at the gym, riding a bike, swimming, anything that raises the heart rate. Does not have to be impact. You don't have to be jumping up and down. You don't have to run. Um, you don't have to do any of these extreme exercises that people do, but you need to get out of breath. Do right. something to get out of breath. Okay. And that's going to be different for different people, depending on your body yep. and, and those sorts of things. Absolutely. So how is exercise different from physical activity? Oh, they're actually two very different things. Exercise is something that you go to do. So you, you go to a gym to do exercise. Uh, maybe it's, it's aerobics. Maybe it's a spinning class. It's a weightlifting class. That's something that you actually intentionally engage in with the purpose of um, changing your body, either building muscle or, or strengthening your heart. Physical activity is just movement. 
It's just what you do every day. Maybe it's taking the stairs. Uh, maybe it's walking. There are great activity trackers now, uh, Fitbit, Garmin, Apple Watch, lots of devices that help you to maintain and monitor your physical activity. They'll even track your heart rate so you know what, what it's doing when you're moving around. Um, and they give you a chance to see what you're doing when you're not thinking about whether or not you're moving. So you know how many steps you're getting right. in a day. Right. So how strenuous does exercise have to be to benefit my heart? I, you said, you know, you should be out of breath, mm -hmm. but it, can you go too far? Can you, you, you absolutely can go too far. And anyone that's listening to the podcast that does not exercise regularly, you may want to get evaluated first and talk to your physician to make sure that you're ready to begin an exercise program. Um, there are two different types of exercise, vigorous and moderate. The vigorous activity does strengthen the heart more quickly um, and, and is uh, considered a good exercise to do. The CDC recommends 30 minutes of vigorous activity three times a week or 50 minutes of moderate uh, physical activity three times a week. So it's, it's up to you how you want to do it. You can do less of the vigorous activity and still get the same heart benefit, but you have to be ready for that type of activity. You can't just jump into it. Gotcha. So what's one thing for anyone listening to the podcast that they can do to protect their heart? The number one thing you can do is start moving your body. Start getting physical activity. Um, start giving your heart an opportunity to work and move. Or if you do smoke, quit smoking um, as soon as possible. That's a big benefit for your heart. Um, after the, the physical activity, the diet would be the next thing I would consider. And, and always, when you're thinking about changing your diet, remember to ask yourself why. A lot of people say they want to change their diet for their heart, but they really want to do it to lose weight. And those are two very different mm -hmm. things. Uh, they're linked, but they might be, when you're at the table and you're eating, it might look different right. depending on what your actual goals are. What your motivation is. What your motivation <laughs> is. Yep, yep. And so I, I like how you say um, movement is important. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, I'm at a desk all day long, right? So you know, what are some strategies that someone who works in an office building or is, is sitting most of the time, what are some strategies or activities, things that you would recommend? That's a great question. Uh, try to get up and move every hour, pace the hall for five minutes, for three minutes even, just to get some steps in. I actually keep these little two pound weights in my office. Uh, and when I'm sitting on teleconferences, I'll do bicep curls, I'll do tricep extensions, um, I'll do lunges, I, all <laughs> kinds of things just to move while I'm trying to do my regular work. I spent a lot of time in France two years ago, and the, the French integrate physical activity into their life so uh, fluidly. They, they believe you have to get physical activity every day to be hungry. And they would regularly ask me, if you're not taking a walk before you eat, how can you be hungry? <laughs> how is it possible <laughs> right, for you right, to be right. hungry? So little things like that. Maybe you take a 15-minute walk before lunch. Um, try to see if your coworkers will have walking meetings with you. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. To go over and take a few laps around the green space here at UAB. That's what I do with one of my coworkers. Um, just try to get moving as much as you can. And so in closing, what's the most important thing that you want people to know about heart health? That it's important to start worrying about your heart right away. So if you're 18 years old listening to this podcast or if you're 65 years old, it is so important to start thinking about your heart, think about what you're eating, how it impacts your heart, um, how, how you're sleeping, your stress levels. Uh, it's just important to focus on it for whatever stage someone's at for their life right then and there. And if you've got a family history of heart disease, a grandfather that died at age 40, a mother that uh, had heart disease at 60, it's even more important for you to think about your diet. Be sure you know what your cholesterol is. Be sure you know your blood pressure and your blood sugar. 
all of those are early indications of later risk factors for heart disease. Well, thank you so much for being here and answering these questions for me and our listeners. This has been a very informative podcast, and you've answered a lot of questions that I hope will be helpful for our listeners in making healthy choices and improving and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And thank you for having me here today. Yes. And thank you for listening. Please tune in next time for another episode of Population Health Plug-In.